31. I want to go ahead and pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you for being here in such a powerful way. Your presence is awesome tonight. Lord, I just lift up this time that you would come down, Lord, in an awesome way in every heart and every life. Lord, I pray that you would give just good fertile soil for the work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God in every person, Lord. That you would anoint people's eyes to see, their ears to hear. Lord, give them openness tonight. Open their minds to be able to understand the Scriptures like you talked about. But I pray by your spirit that you would captivate and lock every person into what you're speaking. And that it would be tonight as living seeds of truth that are sown into good fertile soil. And that you would water that by your spirit and bring forth a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains. And Lord, I apply the blood over the hearers because there's going to be people hearing this on the internet. There's going to be people hearing this all over the world through different means. And Lord, we apply the blood of Jesus over their lives and we bind the enemy now that is trying to hinder in the name of Jesus. And we break any hindrance right now. And Lord, we ask you just to get everybody focused, to give you their best ear and their full attention. The Holy Spirit, that you would come and have your way. In Jesus' name. All right, I want to talk tonight about just kind of going through what we believe. Okay? About why Jesus came, who he is, why he died. Now, I want to go back in Genesis and just kind of go through some stuff with you. And I think this is really going to help everybody understand some things tonight, okay? In Genesis 1.31, it says that God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. There was evening and morning in the sixth day. By the end of this message... I promise you that your view about some things is going to change. I guarantee you. Because a lot of people have had a view about God that is so messed up. You understand that when God created the heavens and the earth, he didn't create it to be as messed up as it is right now. When he created Adam and Eve and he put them in the Garden of Eden, it was a paradise. And that was always his plan. People didn't get sick. People didn't age. There wasn't war. There wasn't bloodshed. There wasn't violence. It was a paradise, and it was always meant to be that. Does everybody understand that? People's view of God is, is this angry person up there with a, like a military boot on just, just waiting to squish him every time they do something wrong. And tonight what I want to do is I want to balance out the full aspect of God because when you see Jesus, you see him, what the Bible calls him, as the Lion of Judah, but you also see him as the Lamb of God. Okay, now I'm going to balance that out throughout this, this uh, sermon today. But I want you to understand that when God created things, he made it perfect. And that was his will. There's nobody in the sound of my voice that wants to have an arranged marriage. Where somebody is forced to marry you that doesn't want to marry you, but they're stuck with you. Does anybody want that? We all want there to be a choice out there but for somebody to accept and love us anyway 
And see, we're created in the image of God. Because people wonder, well, why did this loving God put the tree in the garden? Because if he didn't put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they would have never had a choice to reject him. And it would have just been an arranged marriage. It isn't like he's a mean God. He put, what, thousands and thousands and thousands of other trees and made one tree that he said don't touch or don't eat. But we know the story. We know that Satan came in and began to mess with their minds and began to deceive Eve. The Bible says that she ate of the fruit that was forbidden, and she gave it to her husband who was with her, and sin entered humanity. When this happened, sin separated mankind from God. They no longer could go into the Garden of Eden. They no longer could eat from the Tree of Life. Their sin had separated from them, separated them from God. And God even showed us, after they had fallen, from the very, very beginning, God prophesied the coming of Jesus to Adam and Eve. And he not only prophesied the coming of Jesus, but he also showed that there had to be shed blood for the remission, for the remission of sin, for sin to be forgiven. There had to be blood that would be shed. I'm going to show you that. After they fell into sin... They played the blame game. Adam said it was her fault. She said it was the the devil's fault. But God went down the line and he began to speak over them what was going to happen because of all of their actions. But he told Eve, he said, from you is going to come a seed and he will Even though the serpent will strike his heel, he will crush his head. And what that was saying was, was that when Jesus came, God said, Satan is going to strike his heel on the cross, but that Jesus would crush his head and defeat him at the cross too. It's interesting because in the book of Corinthians, it said, if uh, Paul said, if they had known what they were doing, they would have never crucified Jesus. If Satan's kingdom had realized what they were doing, they would have never done it because they lost the ultimate battle. Because Jesus didn't, it's not like they captured him and defeated him. Jesus, it says, no man took his life. Jesus willingly laid it down. There's no doubt being God in the flesh that he had the power to to heal himself. There's no doubt about that. And he had the power to to strike everybody dead that was there. But he sat there and took it, which I'm going to get into later. But right after this, God told him, I'm going to send a seed through you, Eve. The serpent will strike his heel, but he's going to crush your head, speaking of Jesus. And then it says in 320, Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all living. And the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them with that skin. From the very beginning, there had to be blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sins. And God himself did that. He took care of the the animal, the shedding of the blood, and giving them garments of skin to wear because of their sin. Because God has loved mankind so much, and we were created in his image, he has gone to the ultimate length to save us from our sins. God even showed us from the beginning that there had to be shedding of blood, which I've already covered. 
You can see God's heart in the first three books of the Bible and the last three. It's interesting because the first three books of the Bible, you see God made everything perfect and then man messed it up. But the last three books of the Bible, you see that Jesus comes back and fixes everything and restores it back the way it was meant to be. So let's look down quickly through history. Later on, God found a man by the name of Abram. His name means father. And God said, I change your name to Abraham because you're going to be the father of many nations. In Genesis 12, verse 2, it says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name famous, and you will be a blessing. And so what happened was, was that God had to find somebody that he could trust. And he found Abraham. And the Bible says that Abraham was God's friend. And God used Abraham to bring forth the nation of Israel. Think about this. One man, one man, and the nation of Israel was born through that man. Millions of people. And through the nation of Israel, God has given humanity, has given us the Bible, the law, the prophets, Jesus came from the Jewish people, and the New Testament was written by Jews. And so God has been pursuing humanity since the beginning. He found a man by the name of Abraham and brought forth the Israel people, so the Israeli people, the Jewish people, to bring us the Bible, to reach out and try to win people. And Jesus, of course, came from the Jews. Salvation comes from the Jews. And goes on after after Abraham, the children of Israel were in bondage to Egypt for 400 years. And God sent Moses and Aaron. And once again, Moses delivered them out. We know the story. But God showed through Aaron that there had to be a perfect sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. And this whole time God is pointing to Jesus. Throughout all of history, from the Garden of Eden all the way through the whole history with Israel, every time that they would sacrifice a perfect animal, it was pointing to Jesus. And God showed that there had to be an animal that was perfect without blemish. They couldn't take like a lamb or, or a goat or some kind of bull. They couldn't take one in there that was diseased it was blind, that was maybe lame. They had to bring one that was perfect. Whenever people sinned and broke God's laws, that's what they had to do. And so when they would bring it in, every time that there was a sacrifice, it pointed to the cross, pointed to the cross. Leviticus 1.3, the sacrifice had to be without blemish. There was a story about a guy that um, he grew up, his dad was, was very abusive, was an alcoholic, was just extremely abusive to him, had no relationship with his dad whatsoever. This is a true story. I heard the man telling his story. And he said that there was a neighbor that had some different sheep. And one of them had a lamb and, and decided to give him that baby lamb as a pet, you know. And so he said he just he fell in love with the thing over time, you know. And it just became his best friend. The thing would follow him to his bus every day, you know. And then when he got off the bus, the, the, the lamb, which was growing and getting quite big, 
was, was waiting for him every day when he got off at the bus stop. And it was like that was the only real friend he had. He lived out in the country. And, again, he didn't have a good relationship with his dad. And one day, while he was at school, his dad was fixing a car. And the lamb had come up there just wanting attention, wanting affection and everything. And the dad was really angry because he couldn't get the car working. And apparently had something in his hand and just beat the lamb, took it down the lamb and killed it. And the son got home and was coming up. He was wondering, why is the lamb not here at the bus stop, you know, waiting for me like he always is? And he was on his way home, and he saw that lamb laying there with his head cracked open in blood. And it just it broke him, and he started bawling. He said from that day forward, he hated his dad with a passion. He turned, he turned in total rebellion. And he got, you know, on drugs, he began to be a criminal and uh, was in and out of prison. And he said that um, he had a really bad drug overdose and almost died. And somebody came to him and told him, said, why don't you come with me to church? You don't got anything to lose. And then, so he comes in, and he's sitting in the back, and he has an attitude. He doesn't want to be there. He said the music got over, and the, and the minister got up. And you understand, this guy had never heard anything out of the Bible. And the minister opened up to the scripture that I'm about to go through in a moment. And the first thing the scripture that the pastor read was in John 129, where John the Baptist was pointing to Jesus and said this, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And when that minister said, Lamb, Behold, the Lamb of God, he said he gave him his full attention. And as the minister began to speak on those things, it just melted him. And he came down to accept Christ. Everything from the time Adam and Eve fell around 6,000 years ago, everything has pointed to Jesus. Every move of God, everything that's happened through Israel, And the thing about Jesus, we know he's God that came in the flesh and was here. I'm going to tell you just a few things about him. Number one is that he lived a sinless life because he had to be a perfect sacrifice. He never broke one commandment. He never lied once, never did anything he wasn't supposed to do. At the age of 30, he began his ministry at the age of 33. He laid down his life on the cross for the sin of the world. I want you to think about this. Jesus showed also his power through his miracles. The things that Jesus did to heal the blind, to to cause the deaf to be able to hear. And even to this day, all, all of you that come here regularly have seen people we've prayed for. God has healed them in the name of Jesus. But the thing is, is this. Every time Jesus Jesus could have pointed up and he could have wrote his name in the stars in front of everybody. He could have stood over a forest and he could have spoke over an entire forest in front of everybody there and it just withered, just like he did the fig tree. And then spoke and raised it back up. But the thing about Jesus is this. All of his miracles showed his love for people. 
not just his power. And that's important to understand. Because he could have done things like he could have preached on the Sea of Galilee standing on top of water. But he chose to walk on water in private with just his disciples. But when he was with people, he was always doing what? Healing the sick, cleansing the leper, driving out demons, setting people free. Because he wanted to show people his love for them. His power wasn't just to show off, but it was to minister to people in their need. But yet we see the Bible predicts that in the end times, which we're living in, and I'm not going to divert on that because we've already been through that a lot, but that there would be terrible times in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. I want you to listen to this. The Bible prophesies in the end times before Jesus comes again, there will be terrible times in the last day. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. Now, what I want to point out is look at the depravity, how depraved humanity has become. How far mankind, who was originally created in the image of God, has fallen from the holiness of God. God hates sin because it destroys. Do you understand that? People that sin and do things the Bible says not to do, it's always just out of selfish motives. If somebody steals something, it's because they don't care about hurting the other person. They just want what they want. When people lie, they don't care about the people they're hurting. They just care about themselves. Everything about sin is selfish and self-centered. And God hates sin. Some people wonder, does God hate? God is love. But I tell you this, because God is love, he must hate. Because I love children, I hate child abuse. And I hate child molestation. And I hate abortion. Because I love kids. You understand? Sin is this. Please understand this. It is the opposite nature of God. You know why God hates sin? Because it is the opposite of what he would do. You see what I'm saying? It's the opposite of him. But mankind has become so depraved. Man has murdered one another and shed innocent blood to this day. Even now, the innocent blood of millions of babies are selfishly murdered daily through abortion. Sexual filth of humanity has reached an all-time high. Think about it. You can't even go down the road, go on the Internet, go into a store. You can't do anything without constantly having sexual filth shoved into your face, and God hates it with everything in him. We now have before us daily nudity and sex portrayed everywhere we go. Man is so rebellious toward God that even the very order of nature and creation itself is rebelled against through homosexuality. Did you know man is so depraved that things that animals would never do, 
like abort their children and practice homosexuality, mankind is doing regularly. I may not be an expert on these things, but I know that you better not come upon a mama bear with her cub back there. Animals know enough that the mama will lay down her life for her child protecting it. But yet man is so depraved and so far from God that they do things even animals would not do. Think about it. Look daily at the ever-increasing level of criminal activity in our nation. Our jails are overflowing with no end in sight. Even though creation itself cries out the reality of a holy God. Just think, give you some things to think about. It would take, and the Bible calls them a fool. In our modern language, we would call them an idiot. So this is what the Bible says. I'm trying to be mean. It would take an idiot to think that this building just miraculously just poofed and happened. When you look at creation, you look at an intelligent design. That if we were just a little bit, just a very little bit closer to the sun, we would burn up further away. We would freeze. You look at the rotation. You look at the order. You look at the way God created things. The Bible says a fool has said in his heart there's no God. It would take a fool to say that there's no God. You can look at a building and know there had to be a builder. You can look at a painting and know there had to be a painter. It's not like the ink just miraculously just splattered on there and there's this beautiful painting of a house and you know whatever else so even though creation itself cries out the reality of a holy God and the fact that we have the Bible I'm going to tell you something on judgment day all of us are going to be without excuse because everybody in this room and everybody listening to me on this can read you hear what I'm saying we can read It's not like God didn't give us a book to teach us right from wrong. And God went so far creating us in his image that he gave us a conscience. We all have a built-in conscience that tells us it's wrong to do certain things, and people know it. Little kids may be rebellious as all get out, but they know when they're doing something wrong. And you know what I'm talking about because they get that look on their face. It's their conscience that convicts them, and God has given us. Number one, God gave us creation, which points to him. He gave us a Bible to read, and he gave us a conscience to lead us to him. But yet, does mankind repent of all their depravity and their sin? Rather, mankind tries to make their own rules and create their own gods to suit themselves. Everybody hear what I said? Mankind tries to make their own rules and create their own gods that suit themselves. You go out and start talking to people about God, and here's what a lot of people say. Well, the God I serve wouldn't do this, or the God I serve would do it. See, they're trying to create, in the, with their imagination, create a God that they worship that would, for example, not send them to hell, even though they're guilty of breaking his laws. But if you read the Bible, you can get to know the true God and not be deceived. So the last thing I want to talk about is our decision, our personal decision to come to the cross. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says this. 
at the acceptable time I listened to you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. There are so many people that put things off. A minister I love and respect, is he always says this. He said, tomorrow is a day on a fool's calendar. People are always putting things off. You know, I, I went to uh, CC's Pizza one time with, I believe, with some of you guys. I don't remember. It's been like a year ago. And we were right down here off Ridge Road, and here we are at CC's. And I was going through the line. And I was leaving, actually, and I really felt that I was supposed to talk to this guy about the Lord, witness to him. And I go up to him and I said, hey, man, you know, and I started talking to him about God and started talking about different things, just making conversation. And he really got upset with me. And this is what he said. He said, well, look, I don't want to talk about it. And I said, well, why not? Do you have something against God or something? And he said, well, he said, I just think that he doesn't care anything about us. And it's just kind of like the earth is like an ant farm. He just put us here and let us do whatever we want. And I said, well, where did you get that crazy idea? Now, listen, I didn't know where he was going with this. But he said, look, he said, just about a week ago, my wife was giving birth to our daughter and both of them died. This is what I told him. What do you say in these situations except this? I told him, I said, you don't go to hell just because of something that either the devil did or is a bad circumstance. You understand what I'm saying? And I asked him, I said, do you think that your wife and your daughter would want you to go to hell because you're so mad at what happened? And he said, well, no, I guess not. But it's our personal decision to come to the cross. Just looking at some of the Ten Commandments and things, We have all lied. If anybody in here tells me I've never lied, you're lying. (laughs) We've stolen things, taken things that don't belong to us. We've used God's holy name in vain. The Bible says that's blasphemy, but how many times have people used God's holy name as a cuss word? Would you do that to your mom? But yet you do it to God. The sexual immorality. The Bible says the only sex that God instituted and blesses is between a husband and wife and marriage. That's it. How many times have people slept around and, and had affairs and done things? In fact, Jesus said, if you even look with lust on somebody, you've already committed adultery in your heart with them. One of the greatest poisons in the body of Christ, unfortunately, is a critical spirit. People that cannot look at another Christian ministry or another Christian minister or another Christian without finding fault and being critical of them. It's evil and God hates it. But let's get back to the Ten Commandments. How many of us have hated people? And Jesus said, even if you hate somebody within your heart, you've already committed murder. How many of us have held unforgiveness? And the Bible says if you don't forgive other people, you cannot be forgiven. How many of us have worshipped other gods, practiced occult practices with witchcraft, divination? Divination is seeking information outside of the realm of God. 
through things like seances or going to a fortune teller, but looking for some kind of information. And you're getting it from the devil if that's where you're getting it. How many of us have been envious about what other people have? We look at other people and say, I want what they have. That's the 10th commandment. You're not supposed to do that because it leads to sin. Think about it. How many, how many things have happened because people were envious of what others have? And I want to warn people that feel like that they're saved and feel like they're okay with God and they're ready for heaven. I want to warn you that the Bible says to test yourself and see that you're in the faith. Examine yourself. Or do you not recognize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail the test? That's 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Be careful of a false sense of security where you, you feel like you've created. Some people call themselves Christians, but it, they make their own rules. They're out getting drunk. They're out getting high. They're sleeping around. They're doing stuff. They're not Christian. They're not really saved. That's a hypocrite. And when they die, they're going to go to hell with everybody else. If I was to tell you I was on my way to church here tonight and, um, and I told you that I was on the side of the road fixing a tire and there was this big 18-wheeler going 65 miles an hour and I stepped out in the road and he hit me, but I'm here now preaching, what would you think? You say, okay, this guy, now listen, this is logic. This guy is either the biggest liar we've ever known or he's, he's like... Not all there. He's insane. He's got something wrong with him, right? That's what you would think. If you think that a, a truck can change me that much, then what would it be like for somebody to have a collision with God? See, when somebody is really has an encounter with God, really has a collision with God, you'll never be the same. The Bible says the old stuff goes away and everything becomes new. Well, a lot of people are not really truly saved, and that's their problem. They need to get saved. And there's basically a false gospel that's, that's preached in America, and it's a, it's a cultural Christianity. And it basically tells people this. You can live in sin and play games with God, do what you want to do, but as long as you said some little prayer once, you're okay. That's not true. That's, ba- that's, that's a heresy and it's a deception because it tells people that they're saved by a prayer. You're not saved by a prayer. You're saved by the cross. There's a difference. And let me kind of end this thing now. I want to talk about this. Jesus isn't just going to leave things like it is. He's coming again. Everybody hear what I'm saying? He's coming again. The Bible says when he comes again, he's going to restore the earth back to the original paradise it was always meant to be. He's going to bring it back to a place where people don't age, where people don't get sick, where there's no wars and bloodshed. In fact, the Bible says this exactly. It says the lion will lay down with the lamb. Now, how many of you ever see that on the Nature Channel? It says that little children will play with cobras. I don't advise that right now till Jesus comes, okay? But when he comes back, he's going to put things back the way it was always meant to be. That's what the whole story is. 
The whole story was that man rebelled against God from the beginning and has sinned and broke his laws. And it's not just a matter that we have sinned. It's a matter that all we ever do is sin. It takes God's incredible mercy to forgive us and change us. Down through history, it has echoed over and over the cross. The cross. Everybody that died before Jesus and died in the faith before he came to the earth were believing. They were looking to the coming Messiah, the one who would come and would take away their sin. They put their faith in him and believed in the one that would come. And now, on the other side of the cross, all of us look back at the cross at the one who did come. It's the same message. Always has been. But the thing is, is that we can't make our own rules. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only door. You understand that? You can't come through Buddha. You can't come through Islam. And you can't come through witchcraft or anything else. The only way you're going to get to heaven is to go through Jesus. And that's it. And that's the way God has made it. And if people reject it, I'm sorry. But there's not going to be another salvation. And it just goes to show how rebellious people are. God loved you enough to go to, to clothe himself in flesh and come down here and be tortured and mutilated. And he sat there and took it even though he didn't have to. Lay down his life, offer you salvation, and then you're going to reject that because you're too hard-headed to do it his way. You want to do it your way. That's rebellion. There's not going to be another way with God. The Bible says there's a narrow door that we go through. That's Jesus. And then there's a narrow path that we follow. That's a path of holiness. That means that once we accept Christ and we get forgiven for our sin, we get the sin out of our lives. Flush the drugs down the toilet. Dump the the alcohol down the drain. If you're having sex with people you're not supposed to be, sever ties and get out of it. Burn the pornography. Burn the occult garbage. You get the junk out of your life and follow Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? This is about as plain as it's going to get. You know why people like me preach the truth? Two reasons. Number one, I'm going to stand before God one day and give an account for what came out of my mouth. Number two, because I love you too much to lie to you. If I told you a lie and told you what you wanted to hear and you went out of here and went to hell, what would you think about me? You'd hate my guts. So I tell you the truth. It's time that we really start getting some things right with God. Okay? We start lining up our lives with the Bible and get the sin out. If you're struggling with sin, Jesus can break the power of that thing off you. If it's an addiction, if it's a bondage, whatever it is, Jesus can break that off you and set you free. But it's time that we get the sin out. You see... None of us claim to be perfect. Here we are trying to go down this path of holiness and righteousness. But we may get off that path at, a, at one point. And you know what? If we're really truly a Christian, the Holy Spirit will convict us. And he'll, and he'll put us right back on track. And we'll, we'll apologize. Say, God, I'm sorry. I repent. Wash me. I'm not going to ever do that again. And then we're going to keep going down that path. But you know somebody that's not really a true Christian, you know what they'll do? They'll get off the path and they'll stay off and they'll justify it. And they'll act like everything's okay. It's not okay. Here's what I want to do.
If we can all stand.